Today we're covering chapter 2. In the context of the Tanya, chapter 1 laid down the groundwork. Last week we saw the Alter Rebbe's definition of the characters of the Tanya. The Tzaddik, the Benoni, the Russia. It's not what you do, it's who you are. You don't get measured simply by your actions, you get measured by your tendency. A Tzaddik is the one who has no tendency at all, no desire to sin. The wicked, the Russia, is the one who's weak, he's given in. He's lost control. Even once is enough to qualify you as a Russia. It doesn't mean you're bad. We talked about this last week. It doesn't mean you're bad. It just means you're weak. And a Benoni, the average in-betweener, the ordinary man, or what I like to call the Tanya's possible man, is the man who hears both voices. He's disposed to both. He has the, the voice telling him to do good, the voice telling him to do bad, or what's not good, what's not holy. And he, he's torn. He needs to struggle with this every day. And ultimately, the Benoni is the one who never gives in on a practical level. He experiences the temptation, he experiences the desire, but he never lets go. And that's, the, that's chapter one. Now, in order for us to appreciate the battlefield and to really appreciate what's going on, the Alter Rebbe spends the next six chapters, and we're in it for the long haul now, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and eight, seven chapters. We're gonna discuss the personalities the designs, the structures, the details of the soul. So that we can really understand when we say the Benoni has two voices, we want to know what do these voices look like. And so we're going to explore. We talked about last week the two souls, the animal soul and the godly soul. We're going to first explore the godly soul, two, three, and four, and five. Four chapters for the godly soul, six, seven, and eight, three chapters for the animal soul. And the Alter Rebbe, in his genius of systematics, is going to divide it into the following three categories. Every soul has three elements when we discuss it. The essence, the body, and the function. And what I mean by that is essence, it's, a, it's an abused word, essence, but, but if I could just define it this way, okay? Essence means something in relationship to itself. Something in relationship to itself. That's the way the Alter Rebbe is going to define the concept of essence. Body would mean... Actually, I'd like to edit what I said before. Let's put body and function into the same, same category. The body of the soul is the way it functions on its own personality. So this is what we're going to talk about next week. Emotional functionality, intellectual functionality. That's the body of the soul. And then the expression is the third word I was looking for, which is chapter four, the relationship of the soul to the outside. So there's my relationship to myself, that's essence. There's my makeup, that's the body and the functions of the soul. And there's my expressions as I connect to the outside. That's gonna be the next, that's the lineup for the next three weeks. Chapter two is focused on the essence of the soul. In other words, the soul in relationship to itself. And that's why I say it's gonna be a little bit deep because this is a deep subject. Souls are deep. So first, an overview of the chapter. What happens in chapter two? The Alter Rebbe makes the, the Alter Rebbe submits to us that the godly soul, which is the core of the, of the Jew, is a piece of God. Chelek elokam imal. He employs terminology from Tanakh, from Eov. And he uses the terminology, it's it's a piece of God, literally. And we're going to explore what that means, a piece of God. 
And a piece of God means that we are the quintessence of Hashem's identity, if we could say those words. And, and just for, you know, just for, just for the understanding or for the contrast's sake, as people going through life, we leave our mark everywhere. Okay, this is, this is universal. When I, when, I, when I stand in a place, I leave my mark. When I have a conversation with somebody, I leave my mark. If I make something, I leave my mark. My energy is invested in everything that I come into contact with. However, more than anything else in the world that I can do, say, speak, or feel, the place where a person's innermost point is expressed is in his children. This is the parent-child metaphor that's discussed in chapter two at length. Because a child doesn't just carry your energy, he carries your identity. He carries your character. He carries your psyche, he carries your makeup. So if I made a painting, a painting, I drew a painting, and I invested incredible amounts of hours and talents in this painting. Really, my, 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 my life and soul was put into it, and I sold it on auction, and somebody bought it. And two years later, I read in the paper that there was a massive fire in this guy's house and my, my painting was burnt. So on the one hand, there's a deep feeling of pain because you, you, you could relate to the painting. In other words, you, you actually feel the energy that you put into it. And, and there's loss, but life goes on. Life goes on. Even though the Talmud says that a man has empathy for the things he creates, but we know it to be true existentially that even if I feel pain for the moment, <coughs> it's fleeting and, and ultimately <coughs> we make peace with it and we go on. But with children, I'm going to first use the negative side, but it's true in the positive side as well. When things go wrong with children, the devastation is that much more deeper because we haven't just invested our energy. We didn't just paint. Child was created. And the child is actually a continuum of our very identity. And so in that sense, and I'm saying the word in that sense because anytime we use examples to understand godly things, they're always weak because Hashem is spiritual and on a completely different plane than our physical experience. But in the same way, Hashem has imparted a piece of himself, in other words, a continuum of his identity into every single Jewish person. And that is the core of the Jew. That piece of Hashem, the connection to Hashem. In that sense, there's equality. Because everybody has an equal piece of Hashem inside of him. The flip side of chapter 2 is to discuss where do the differences come from? The fact of the matter is we observe it in every day that there's hierarchy in souls. There's greater people, there's lesser people, there's more connected people, less connected people, righteous people, not so righteous people, smarter people, and dumber people, more uh, kind people, and so many different expressions, and so many different ranks and levels and types and, and, and categories of souls. If really everybody was a piece of Hashem, where do these differences come from? 
And the Alter Rebbe submits again, using the child-parent metaphor, that just like everybody understands that different parts of my body, just because I have hands, feet, fingers, toes, and a brain and a nose, doesn't mean that each limb comes from a different source and was created from a different place. Every part of the body originates in the sperm of the father that created it. The, 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 the diversification, the multiplication of my body parts happens through an evolutionary process outside of the father's being. It happens in the mother. Pregnancy allows for the embryo to develop into a full human being. And so in no way does different parts of the body mean that they come from different sources. In the same way the Alter Rebbe tells us, just because you see, see Judy, Jewish people are one organism. They're Klal Yisrael, it's called Klal, Klal means general. We're one unit, we're one piece. Different levels of Jews doesn't indicate different sources. It simply indicates different levels of evolution. And this is a topic which we're gonna explore later on in the Tanya, this concept of evolutionary process of worlds. It's called in Hebrew, Hishtal Shalut. If you studied Kabbalah, you, you know this term, Hishtal Shalut. It means the chain reaction of evolutionary process of worlds. And basically the idea is, is that Hashem allows His reality to be, uh, I guess, filtered and, and evolutionized in different ways so that different beings experience His consciousness on different levels. So if you have a guy who is in tune with Hashem fully, and you have a guy who is the simpleton, it doesn't mean in any way that they have less of a piece of Hashem inside of them, simply that their soul evoluted more in, in, into a lower, a lower plane of, of, of divine consciousness. Which is why um, it's important to, to foster Jewish unity because everybody needs each other. We're all part of the same body. And especially it's important to connect with a Jewish leader because the leader is the brain of the body that has been implanted in that generation. In other words, every generation of Jews living at the same time has the toes, the fingers, the arms, the legs, the nose, the stomach, the back, and then the head, which incorporates everything, which is why it's so important to have what's called hiskashras, a connection with a tzaddik of a given time. The final part of the chapter, which we're really not going to explore tonight, just because it's, it's if I could use the word, it's peripheral. The Alter Rebbe just seeks to kind of synthesize what he said with a statement in the Zohar. The Zohar talks about how parents have an influence on the, the nature of their child's soul. The parents' behavior at the time of relations will will have an influence on how the child is, is to be born. And that seems to run against saying that every Jew has a chilek elokam imal, a part of God from above. What do you mean? If it's everything is, if it's automatically from God, how does parents play a role? And the Alter Rebbe explains that those Zohars are not talking about the actual soul, they're talking about the way the soul interfaces with its outside reality. Even though the, the expression is nefesh, is neshama, but it's not to be taken literally. So that's, that's the flow, okay? Now let's go back to the beginning. And let's, let's unpack some things. We're going to unpack first the, the, the peace of God in you. Okay? The chilek elokam imal mamash. The Alter Rebbe adds the word mamash. Literally. It's literally a peace of God. The, the illustration that the Alter Rebbe uses 
to help us understand what it means that Hashem is literally a piece of God before the child-parent metaphor, which is the main metaphor that carries through the chapter. We're going to focus that back on that soon. But first, in the beginning, right in the beginning of the chapter, the Alter Rebbe gives a wonderful, a wonderful metaphor from the verse in the Torah which actually describes Adam's creation. The first, second chapter in the Torah says that Hashem created man, dust from the earth, and he blew into his nostrils a breath of life. And the Alter Rebbe quotes the Zohar. The Zohar says in Aramaic, Man mitoche nafach. The one who blows, blows from his essence. And what that means is on a simple level. Ties into the joke with the rabbi. Talking doesn't take a lot of effort. Even though talking and blowing both come from the energy from my lungs going through my mouth, talking doesn't take energy. I can talk and talk and talk and talk for minutes and for hours and for days. To blow you can do for maybe 10 seconds, a minute, before you get tired. Because it reflects a deeper part of yourself. So when we say that Hashem blew into his nostrils a breath of life, the reason why the Torah uses the term blow is not because Hashem has body parts and blows, it's simply what we call an anthropomorphism, which means using human um, terminology to define what it is that we're trying to communicate. By the way, the flip side is also true. In, in Pirkei Avot, in Ethics of Our Fathers, the Mishnah describes the creation of the world. The world was created with ten utterances, ten sayings. Even in the Torah, each time Hashem created something, it says, He simply said. Because that's the idea. The relationship of every other creation to Hashem is in the sense of talking. Okay, talking comes from my lungs, no problem. But how much of my energy is invested in it? A more external part of myself. When we say Hashem blew the soul into Adam, what we're saying is, is that Hashem reached deeper into himself. It, it came out from a deeper part. By the way, this is something beautiful, which the Alter Rebbe does not articulate here. He articulates it in a different part of Tanya. Not even in the, not even in the section one, the 53 chapters, it's in a different part of the Tanya, in the third part. The Alter Rebbe points to another difference between blowing and talking. He says, um, he says, Hashem used his speech to create the world. But the creations aren't Hashem's speech. Hashem said, Hashem said let, let there be trees. Trees were created. But the trees aren't Hashem's speech. The trees aren't the words. But when Hashem blew the soul into Adam, the blow was the soul. See, Hashem didn't blow and then the soul was created. Sorry. No problem. Hashem blew the soul into Adam. In other words, it was a piece of, it was a piece of him. And it elsewhere. to do with the utterances. Right. In other words, it wasn't... See, first, first, first difference that's in this chapter, deeper or external. Speech is, is external, uh, uh, blowing is deeper. Second, the speech creates the world. The blow is the soul. The two concepts are linked. In every person, in, your, in our personality, we have, kind of like we talked about before, we have, uh, uh, we have our relationship with ourself and we have our relationship with others, what I would call the external relationship. 
external relationship by necessity acknowledges that there's an outside being. In other words, if I'm relating with something outside of me, by definition, there's something outside of me. If I'm relating with myself, by definition, there's nothing outside of me. That's the relationship within what Hasidus calls pnimiyut and chitzoniyut. It's the, the, the inner aspect and the outer aspect. If I go out of myself to create something, the thing which will be created will always be outside of me. It's like a child. Okay? Well, the child is a bit different, but the, the ideas of, of creating some, an object, okay? If I create an object outside of me, it will remain out. By definition, it will be outside of me. I'm getting philosophical here, but just follow. If I create within me, it always remains within me. It becomes a part of, my, my, becomes a part of me. And so in that way, the two differences between speech and blowing are, this, are really interconnected. Because Hashem created the world with His speech, therefore the world had to be outside of His speech. Because Hashem created the soul by blowing, by definition, the blowing became the soul. It remained within him. It remained within his plimiyut. That's why our souls have an innate awareness of God and are always sensing that they're there to serve. It's because our souls in that way remain within the context of Hashem himself. This is going to be explored in chapters 18 and 19. Okay, We're going to get to that in a deeper way. Now, when I use the words inside, outside, don't, don't make it physical. It's very easy to make it physical and start thinking, well, it's not in him, it's out of him, it's, right, it's blue, it's red. We're talking in concept. In other words, if I leave myself to create, that thing will always have its own identity. Let's put it that way. I think that's better words. If I don't leave myself to create, the thing I create will always carry my identity. That's why the neshama always carries Hashem's identity because it was created by a blow. Because it was created from Hashem's deepest self and not by a speech. And so in that sense, the souls are a piece, a piece, a part of Hashem Himself. Those are, that's the first metaphor in the chapter. But it's not the, it's not the thrust of the chapter. The thrust of it is the child-parent metaphor. And by the way, I, I use this to explain the question that many people always have, which is, how could, how could we use the word a part of Hashem? Hashem is indivisible. What do you mean, parts? Hashem's got pieces, we're slicing him up. Pieces, pieces of Hashem in me, pieces of Hashem in you. How do we explain that idea of a part? And I, I think it, it, that it's, again, it's like we talked before. Human analogies are weak when it comes to Hashem and spirituality. It's not going to capture. I, we, we, see, we don't mean pieces in the sense of if we sliced up Hashem, we'd find that you know, one piece is in me and one piece is in now. And the other piece is in everybody around the table. Piece, in this context, part, portion, means identity. And it's very, very well expressed in the father-son-parent-child metaphor. The way the Alter Rebbe describes it, 
is that the sun in his totality comes from the sperm, the drop in the brain of the father. That's the language in the Tanya. Tipat mo'achav. And we know this scientifically to be a little bit inaccurate because male seed does not come from the brain in fact. And, and by the way, I think in the Tanya that, that I posted, he, he actually mentions the other discourse from the Alter Rebbe where he says that I believe that it's not physical. When the, when, the, when the Zohar says that it comes from the sperm and the brain of the father, I believe it's not literal. I believe it's a spiritual power that links the brain and the sperm. And that's what the Alter Rebbe wants to communicate in this chapter. Is I think the reason why he uses it is because nothing engages the totality of the human experience. No act in the world, nothing, nothing, no experience engages every single part of the human being's identity more than the act to create a child. There are studies, though, that show that anthropologists have found that some experiences and knowledge can be passed down genetically. Like, the father has certain experiences. But of, of course, of course. So, that, that knowledge does get kind of passed down through... So uh, you're saying in that way there's a link between the, between the brain. Exactly. Yeah, so, and, and yeah, it's true, anyway. it's true, and I think it's even, in other words, and if we can carry it even deeper, we would say that that, that that is the idea. When we say it's located in the brain, what we mean is creation, reproduction, engages the entirety of the father. See, we, we use the word brain again in a, in, a, in a loose way. Where is our identity? As people. What's the center of our, of our, of our system? It's our nervous system, which is in the brain. That's where, that's where everything about us is. So the concept of the child being created from the brain of the father means when the father creates the child, his entire identity is engaged. Everything about him, which is why, as you say, studies show, characteristics or experiences of a father are passing to children. Makeup, trauma, all these things can pass down because having children is, the, is really the quintessence of the father and mother being passed down. And that's the analogy that Alter Rebbe uses in chapter 2 as well. Just like a child is born from the brain of the father, and I'm translating it as the following. When I say child is born from the brain, what I mean is the child carries the quintessence, the full makeup and identity of the father. So too, a neshama, a soul, comes from Hashem's brain, figuratively. And again, brain in the sense... Hashem's identity. Therefore, the soul carries the identity. Therefore, the soul never loses touch with the identity because it comes from that place versus the rest of the world created by Hashem's outermost self. So we talked about speech and blowing. The idea of blowing becoming from the deepest part of yourself and being yourself. In other words, the blow is the soul. And then the parent-child metaphor where the, the father invests the totality of himself into the child and therefore the child in that sense is a piece of his father even if not literally but conceptually and so in the same way we say Hashem came from the neshama came from Hashem's wisdom Hashem's brain and Hashem's brain is one with him and that's the whole other discussion which we're not getting into tonight of the, the, the theological aspect of that what does that mean Hashem is one with his knowledge but the idea is that it's, it's part of Hashem's very very essence the, the, the bulk of the chapter, and this, for me this is interesting because the Alter Rebbe is not one to sidetrack. 
know, he, he, he likes to, uh, to keep it focused. But he does spend a lot of time on the relationship of souls to each other. The discussion about the grades and the ranks of different souls ties into a discussion about how all souls are related. And I believe it's because the Alter Rebbe wanted to communicate to us the dependency of the Jewish people on each other and how important unity is. And this is just my feeling. But uh, it, it, he, it's, it's, it's core, it's center, it's central to the Hasidic philosophy that one Jew is not whole without another Jew. And we need each other. Everybody has different roles, like the different parts of the body, but everybody is, everybody is, is united. So what does the Alter Rebbe say about the relationship of souls? Again, the parent-child metaphor is critical to the, to the bulk of the chapter, to the bulk of the discussion. And the Alter Rebbe makes the following observations. And for clarity, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make it into four steps. It's gonna be a four-step ladder where we're going to examine the relationship of parent and child, and thereby we'll be able to understand the relationship of soul and Hashem and souls to each other. Because the question that we need to understand is if we're all a piece of Hashem, how is it that some are smarter, some are less smart, some are holier and some are less, and there's thousands and thousands of levels. What the Zohar or the Arizal calls the heads and the feet. You know, our generation is called Ikvot Meshicha, the footsteps of Mashiach literally because we're the time closest to Mashiach, like the footsteps, you know, we're on the heels, but also because our souls are considered to be the souls, without a you, souls of the feet of the Jewish organism. In other words, we are the lowest level souls. So we're called Ikvot Mashiach. Is the lowest? The lowest. Lower souls, lower in the sense of divine consciousness. Everybody will agree we are the most unaware generation. Yes. Unaware. Unaware of... Disconnected. disconnected. Disconnected physically, mentally, emotionally, psychologically. It expresses itself everywhere. But in our context, spiritually. How are there different levels of souls? What does it mean there's a higher soul, lower soul? We're all part of Hashem. What's the higher soul, lower soul thing? So let's take a closer look at the father-child metaphor. And I said one point before, I'm going to add three more points to that. One point before that I said was, different organs in the child's body don't mean different sources. Just because I have a head, a hand, and feet doesn't mean I was created from three distinct entities. I was created from one finite point. They all, the, the entire body can be traced back to... Uh, to... Um, to the fluid, to the liquid, from the father. Every part of the body. Where does the, where does the gradation come in? Where does the head versus hand versus skin versus nails, as he brings in the chapter, the nails, the outermost, where, where do those come from? Those come because the way Hashem created it was that the sperm needs to be fertilized. In the mother's womb, it achieves development, nurturing, diversification, multiplication. And in the process of pregnancy, of gestation, the whole embryo becomes developed. And by the way, even this is true even genetically, which parts of the baby develop first? The most important ones, right? The sensual organisms develop first. Skin, hair, nails, these come at the very, very end because the most important parts of the body need the most time to mature. 
they're going to have the biggest responsibility when the baby is born. It developed right away. So they have the most time to, to develop. And then at the very end of the pregnancy comes the outermost parts. But the point is that in the evolutionary process of pregnancy, the body now becomes a full-on human being, a full-fledged uh, um, functioning organism with all kinds of different parts. That's point two. So everything is rooted in the sperm, but the sperm evolutionizes. Is that a word? Evolu- evolutes? Evolves. 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 That's evolves. There we go. Evolves. It evolves in the mother's stomach. Mother's womb. That's point number two. Everything comes from the sperm. The sperm evolves in the pregnancy. Thirdly, now we have a child. The child is born. The child always remains connected to the father's character. This is why, like you said before, children in some way are a reflection, a continuum of their father. They carry similar experiences, similar makeup, similar dispositions because their identity is linked. Now, this is the crucial point. That might be only the brain, says the Alter Rebbe. Right? Maybe my brain or my makeup is united with my father, but my legs, my toes, my fingernails, my nose, where is that linked to my father? So the Alter Rebbe says that's because since in my body, every limb is connected to my brain, it relies on my brain to keep me going. Therefore, by extension, everything retains the connection with my father. So in that way, the sum total of my identity is a continuum of my father's identity. Those are the four points in the metaphor. Let's reflect that back to the four points in the key to the metaphor, in, this, in the neshama. Both things can be true at the same time. We can all be a part of Hashem because if we believe that the Jewish people are one organism, just because we see different souls doesn't mean different sources. Just like the baby is all, all in the sperm, the Jewish people is all in Hashem's wisdom. On the other hand, just like the baby develops and evolves, neshamas also evolve. And like I said before, this conversation is kept uh, very succinct. The Alter doesn't delve into the concept of the evolutionary process. He leaves it for chapter 36. But, but that's, that's the idea, that Hashem's soul, and like, like you said before, with Adam, it ties into the same concept. Adam was like this one general soul, the Zohar calls it. And then the soul started radiating as children were born, started radiating lower and lower and lower to different levels of divine consciousness. So there were souls that were fully aware, souls that were less aware, souls that were actually um, suppressed from their awareness. Hashem in His infinite wisdom decided that some souls shouldn't be able to know. But there's different levels. And in the same way that a child, even after he develops, maintains his connection with his inner identity, he's a continuum of the identity of his father, every single Jewish soul, no matter his level of divine awareness, is connected, and the, the, the Hebrew is powerful. I love the, the Hebrew words of the Alter Rebbe, they're, they're connected, they're intertwined, with their first and original identity, their source and essence. They retain that connection with Hashem. Every single part of the organism retains that inner connection. Really? How so? Just like in a child, you might think, the brain is the only one that's connected. The tzaddiks of the generation, maybe they're the ones that have the, the, they feel Hashem's identity. But us, the fingernails and toenails, where does our connection come from? So the Alter Rebbe says, just like in the child's body, ultimately, every part of his body relies on the brain. And by extension, they're connected. 
so too in the Jewish people, even the fingernails and toenails are connected to their brain. Are we just, are, are we just looking at the tzaddikim as the brain? Yes. The, and this is know, why the Zohar calls tzaddikim Rashe Alfei Rasha Yisrael. Alfei, right. Like that, right? Maybe the under the feet. Sure. Under yeah, the feet, yeah. Rashe Alfei Yisrael. The Zohar calls the, tzad, the, the, the righteous people of generation the heads of the Jews. Not just because they're leaders. Because they're actually the head. They're the head of our organism. The Alter Rebbe, the Alter Rebbe even adds in a parenthesis, he says, even the ones, even those who rebel, even those who rebel against the tzaddiks, they still get nourishment from the tzaddik. Even if you rebel and speak bad of the tzaddik and you don't like him, you still get nourishment. You get nourishment, he calls it achorayim. You get nourishment from behind. This we'll talk about in chapter 22. The Alter Rebbe says that uh, every, you know, people have people that they like and people that they dislike. And you could see the relationship in the way that one gives to another. If I give to you and you see myself invested in it, that's called panim, face to face. In other words, I give you of myself. But then sometimes life circumstances forces me to give you something I don't really want to. You'll see the, you'll see the grudging, the, the grudge. You'll see it, and he brings from the Zohar also. The person throws it over his shoulder. It's like, ah, oh, okay, take it. So the person who rebels against the tzaddik, it, it, it's like a pinky. You know, imagine, imagine your pinky woke up in the morning and said, look, you know what, I just can't stand this brain of mine. I just can't stand him. He's so self-centered. He's so narcissistic. I wish he were different. I hate him. I'm done with him. I'm leaving. I'm leaving. I'm done. <laughs> I'm leaving. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's too bad. The moment that you're speaking bad of the brain, the brain is thinking of you, caring for you, vitalizing you, giving you energy. It's, it's too bad. You, you can't. You're, you're, you're part of the body. It's like complaining the light is not bright enough. Right. But without it... You, you don't have anything. So you're right. So in other words, you, you, the, the, the guy is going, look, I can't stand the tzaddik. I can't... I can't, I can't he, he's terrible. The very moment that you're saying that the tzaddik in his soul is contemplating your existence and trying to care for you and help you, you choose that the relationship will be in a behind way. That's, that's your choice. But that's, that's our link to the peace of Hashem. This is one of the fundamental sources in Hasidic philosophy for the, for the necessity of a connection to a tzaddik. It's not just, you know... It's not just like he gives us blessings or he, he, he can help us out and be a guide. He's actually the head. The head in the sense of he's actually our link to our godly identity. The Alter Rebbe goes so far to say, not, even, not here but in a different place, that the tzaddik actually feels your soul deeper than you do. Just like the brain feels the finger and the body parts more than the finger itself does. Connection to a tzaddik is integral. It's why the, the Talmud says, the Altair brings it up in, in this chapter as well. The Talmud says the person who cleaves, who, who sticks to Talmidei Chachamim, wise men, is like sticking to the Shekhinah. That's every, wise men, that's... Huh? That's wise men. Oh, yeah, wise men, that's true. See, Tanya is like the Torah, it always needs interpretation. But yeah, elsewhere it's explained that Talmidei Chachamim... You ready for this? This is a side vart, but it's a great vart. In Hebrew... Talmid Chacham, although we use it for a wise man, Talmid means a student. Talmid Chacham literally means the student of wisdom. So he says, who's a real wise man? 
the one who has internalized wisdom. He's a student of wisdom. He's become one with the Torah. Not only by a tzaddik. Who really, truly doesn't just learn it and know it, but he's actually, he's actually become one with it. So the point is, that when you connect to a tzaddik, like connecting to the Shekhinah, how so? What do you mean connecting to the Shekhinah? Everybody asks the question, isn't it like idolatry? Isn't he an intermediary? So the Alter Rebbe says, it's the same idea. He is the brain of the, of the Jewish organism. So to, to feel the connection to a tzaddik is to feel your own Jewish identity. And we should know who the tzaddik is. We should know this. We do know who the tzaddik is. But I wasn't paid to advertise that. But, but everybody knows. <laughs> but that's the idea. The brain can't leave the body and the body needs the brain. And even those who speak ill of the tzaddik have to know that at the very same time they're getting nourished and they're getting nutrients and they're getting care and they're getting... It's their choice how they want to make the relationship. It, it kind of ties into what we said before about the way an uh, embryo develops. It, it's like that the brain develops first, the heart develops first because it's the most important one. So in the same way, in every generation, you have that, you know, Hashem implants the brain and the, um, and the heart. The reason for that is, by the way, the Alter Rebbe explains different places, is that Hashem didn't want Jewish history to be seen in totality. You know, he could have said to us, look, Adam's the brain, okay? From now on, Adam is the, is the only brain soul. Everybody else is going to be part of the body. For the next 5,000 years, Adam's going to be the, the brain. Hashem made representation of each level in each generation. In other words, so that it's close to home. You understand? That it, it's, it's duplicated in every generation. Right. It's duplicated in every generation so that every generation has a core. Has a core. A cup, a core and a cup, a cup as the head, yeah. If we could encapsulate the Rebbe concept into one sentence, I'm going to give it to you now so you can walk away with it this way. There's a saying in Hasidus that says, Elokut bipshitut mitziut bihitchadshut. It's a forward line. Elokut, godliness, bipshitut as the obvious reality. Mitziut, existence, bihitchadshut as the novel reality. And, and the, the Hasidus says, the difference between everybody else and the head of the generation is that everybody else experiences existence as the obvious reality, godliness as the novel reality, that tzaddik experiences godliness as the basic reality, the obvious reality, and existence as the novel reality. And that's why he's the brain, because he experiences Hashemliness as an obvious thing. And, and that's, our, that's a whole new word right there. Yeah, no, that's, that's it. Hashemliness. Hashem, oh, yeah, Hashemliness. Hashem. We just invented a new word. Hashemliness. <laughs> it, it's, but it's the truth. It's the truth, and that's really what defines it. And, and that's that, why he can experience the pain of the entire organism. Boom. Yeah. So that's exactly it. Because he, he is in that space. Because he's in that space, so he feels that, that, that identity. So that's, if we wanted to just put a bow on it, that's the, uh, that's the Rebbe concept. And by the way, what that, what that does is, and I, I love this concept, what that does is it creates a, a level of Jewish unity that's unparalleled. Because what it says is, we all need each other. See, in, in the Tanya, the discussion is with the head. But we also need the hands, and we need the feet, and we need the full body. 
So we need, we need each other. The flip side of that is we each have different roles. So look how in one line, the Alter Rebbe can give us this beauty of connection to a tzaddik, understanding Jewish unity, and Jewish diversification. Now that I know that I'm a limb in an organism, it's very easy for me to find how I serve a unique purpose versus you, because we're all part of a body. And in a body, every single piece of DNA serves a different purpose. So now it's easier for me to find, this is me, this is you, we never have to contradict, because we, we're, all, we're all contributing our part. And uh, I just want to add one thing, even though we're not going to discuss it, the, the, the final part of the chapter, the, the parents' influence. Like I said, the Zohar says the parents have an influence on the soul. And the Altar Rebbe clarifies that it's not the actual soul. The actual soul is determined by God. The level and the level of consciousness and that it's going to have a piece of him is all determined by Hashem. But the parents have an influence on the way that the godly soul will interface. That's the word in Rabbi Miller's Tanya. I love that word. The, the way it's going to interface with the animal soul in the outside world. And the way that it will do that will depend on the parent's behavior. There was a student of the, um, I think it was a student of the Balshemtov, I'm not sure. His name was Rabbi Uri of Strelisk. He was known as the Saraf, the burning snake. He was like a, a fiery guy, big tzaddik. And he said, my service of Hashem would have been so much easier if my father had dipped in the mikveh once in his life, even once. Before conception? No, no, period. Throughout. Yeah, before he was born, obviously, we're talking about. But in other words, had his father gone to mikveh, this is what he said, my service of Hashem would be that much easier. Because, and it ties into that idea. The parents, see, they didn't decide his soul. His soul was the tzaddik soul. It was going to be a great soul. It was going to be a great mission and a great thing. The way it's going to interface with everything else and the, the challenges it would encounter, that could be influenced by the parents. And the Alter Rebbe brings from the Arizal, who writes that this is why we find that sometimes the greatest of souls come down into a relationship that's blemished. Tzaddikim, great tzaddikim have been born from parents that were not the greatest at all. That's a proof that the soul is not determined by the parents. Now the parents can have an influence on what kind of thing it is. And it's a whole discussion in the Arizal, the Altar just refers to it. Arizal talks about how the klipot, the, uh, the forces of evil, they, they know that great souls are great food for them. They get nourished from great souls. And so they, they try to mix in and they find the couples that are engaging in relations in blemished ways. And they say, let's send down the tzaddik soul to this conception so that he'll be born he'll never be aware of what his great mission is and when he dies we'll be able to chap all the good food from this soul that's what the, the Arizal writes this and so uh, but many times of course they do find their mission Avram Avinu you know great example born from uh, Terach one of the most wicked idol worshippers in the world it actually says in one of the Talmudic either it's Talmudic or Midrashic that Avram was conceived when his mother was menstruating in other words, not menstruating, but when she was, in, she was, she had not gone to mikvah. She was impure, ritually impure. Yeah, Mashiach. I mean, Mashiach's genealogy is absolutely absurd. It's it's absolutely mind-boggling. 
No, I'm saying Mashiach, the way his genealogy, it starts with Lot and his two daughters, and then Ruth, yeah, yeah. The non, it's, everything is mixed in from every side. And it's because of this concept that the highest of souls have to come in certain ways. And, and they, anyway, and, and, they, and they, they reveal themselves. But the point is that the parents do have that level of... of uh, that's why the Rebbe was always so... He campaigned so much about parents, the way they behaved. He says, not, it's not only the way you behave during relations or, or, or in the early years of childhood. It's, it's everything about your general behavior has an influence on, on the future children. And, and um, I believe the lesson here is actually the flip side, that even the person that thinks he comes from a blemished place could be able to discover his, his true potential. In other words, Zalter is trying to show that the level of your soul has nothing to do with your background. So some people use that as an excuse. They'll say, look, I was born into this situation, that situation, I can't, you know, I can't, I can't experience, I can't function, I can't perform the way that I should. And the Alter Rebbe says, no, the level of the soul has, your parents have no influence on that. Yes, they may have made it harder for you to engage, but who you are and your potential is, is, is the beauty. And so that's, that's, the, uh, that's the subject of chapter two. And the takeaway, the takeaway, if we could just take, you know, put, it, put it down. Every single Jew is embodied in Hashem. Just like the person is embodied in the sperm, every Jew is embodied in Hashem's identity himself, a piece of Hashem, literally. The differences among us are, in that way, superficial. They're simply because of an evolutionary process that happened outside of the godly force, so to speak. But essentially, we all share the identity. Essentially, we're all connected to Hashem's wisdom, which is one with Him. And that's our essence. Our essence is our awareness of Hashem. Before we talk about the makeup, which is next week, just the essence of it. And a big part of that is that we're all connected. All souls are related. And and our link to our identity of Hashem is our relationship with the tzaddik, with the head of the generation. I want to conclude with just two things, a thought and a story. The verse that talks about Adam's creation, Hashem blew into his nostrils a breath of life. Right afterwards, it said, after Hashem blew it into the, to his breath of life, the human being became a living being. Now the term nefesh chaya is used about all creations. So how is that a fitting ending? Here you talk about the greatness of man. Hashem blew into his nostrils a breath of life. And then he was another living being, another ordinary Joe. It doesn't seem to be a fitting ending. And the Kliyakar, famous commentator on the Torah says, Hashem is intimating to us. Yes, it's true. Yes, it's true. You versus any other creature has myself invested in you but you can just as easily become another living being if you don't muster the strength that you get from your essence. If you don't muster that connection that you have from your neshama. So yes, and this is chapter two. Yes, it's true. In other words, chapter two is the truth of things. The truth of things is that we're all a piece of Hashem. What we do with it, that's up to us, as we're going to talk about in later chapters. And I want to end off with a story. The Rebbe Rashab. The fifth Labavitcher Rebbe had a great, great chassid, a genius scholar and a diamond merchant. I mean, Manya Manya's son was his name. What was his name? 
Monya was his first name and Monyazan was his last name. I think his father passed away before he was born. His father's name was Monya, I think. And so when he passed away, before, in, during his, while his wife was pregnant, and he was born Monya Monyazan. So the previous Lubavitcher Rebbe told that Rebbe Monya was once sitting with the Rebbe Rashab, the fifth Lubavitcher Rebbe. And the Rebbe Rashab was extolling the virtues of simple Jews talking about how great simple, simple Jews are. And, and he couldn't understand it. He, he asked, he said, I don't understand. Why are you so praising these simple people? They're just simple people. And their, pre, their fifth Lubavitcher Rebbe said, Ayid is pile ployim. Ayid is wonder of wonders. How do you not see this? He says, Ichzenit, I don't see it. Conversation over. A couple of hours later, the, the Rebbe Rashab asked Reb Manya if he had his latest package of diamonds with him to look at. He said, sure. Pulls it out. Puts all the diamonds out on the table. Starts showing this diamond, that diamond. Then he holds up one diamond. And he says, this diamond is Pile Ployim. This diamond is wonder of wonders. There's nothing like it in the whole Russia. It's the greatest diamond of all. They polished it the way it reflects and look at the even... And... Uh, the Rebbe Rashab said, I, I, I don't see it. <laughs> to me, it looks like a regular pebble. I have so many pebbles in my garden. So he told the Rebbe, he said, yeah, but to understand diamonds, you have to be a maven. You have to be an expert. So the Rebbe Rashab said, a yid is wonder of wonders. To appreciate it, you have to be an expert. And even if you can't see it, I do. And so that's the, that's the walk away from the neshama. That no matter what, we have that wonder of wonders, that power of Hashem inside of us.